Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Speak your mind at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. Dalakata back on the fan. While you were sleeping, way back at 12 a.m., we started the show talking about the Mets win and the dominant performance by Max Scherzer and the idea that, yeah, that's great. It's nice to see Max Scherzer finally have his best outing as a Met and go out there and throw eight innings. You know, this was a a stat line. If you just read box scores and don't have time to watch the game, you got used to seeing this box score from, or stat line in a box score from Max Scherzer when he was with the Nationals, not with the Mets. This is what Scherzer did with the Nats. Eight innings. One run, four hits, eight strikeouts. Problem is he hasn't done it often enough with the Mets. And that's the issue. You know, when we were talking about blame last week, and it's there's plenty of blame to go around. To me, the number one culprit is Max Scherzer. Because he has far under-delivered what the Mets were expecting of him. And... You know, it's not just him, Verlander, you could throw in him, Lindor. I mean, those are the biggest guys, the biggest stars that haven't gotten the job done. But now you see a dominant performance by Scherzer, and really, outside of the two biggest starts, Yankees, Dodgers, Scherzer's been good for the majority of, what has it been, what, seven starts or something? I think it was three starts leading up to the, so maybe six starts, three starts leading up to the Braves. So he had three good ones and then two bad ones and now a good one again. Maybe there is still some good left in Max Scherzer. I'm not buying it. I'm not overreacting. I need to see a lot more. I think you watch, if you're a Met fan, you watch a game like last night and you start to have hope thinking, see, this is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about. You get Scherzer going eight. Verlander tonight. He'll go seven, eight. Makes the bullpen, you know, you get them rested. Then you're able to use the high, the big guys in high leverage spots. The offense pounding out 14 hits and 11 runs. Lindor's getting going again. Not me. I'm not getting sucked in. Like I said, I always thought the Mets were still going to make the playoffs. But even that after the Cardinal series was not feeling like it was a good prediction. It's not about that. It's about winning the whole damn thing. And I don't believe the Mets have what it takes to do so. In the lineup, in the rotation, in the bullpen, nothing. Yankees will be back in action tonight looking to kind of right the ship here after getting swept by the Red Sox. They have lost four straight games. Need to get some wins here, a little home cooking against the Mariners and the Rangers before they head out west to take on the A's. 
and then the Cardinals as part of a six-game road trip. But first things first, Yankees and Mariners back at the stadium tonight. And for the Yankees, you know, Bader will be back in that lineup. But what about Peraza? Are they going to bring Peraza up at some point? That is a change that I feel like the Yankees need to make. You bring Bader back, you bring Peraza up, now you're fixing maybe three spots if you can move John Carl Stanton to the outfield. And, you know, like I said, bringing in Peraza and bringing back Beatty, um, excuse me, bringing back Bader, uh, those things can, you know, th- those two moves, Bader alone, where Bader had the, you know, the impact felt when he returned last time early May, and now you bring back Bader for this series against the Mariners, and you hope you could keep him back, by the way. Enough of this going, coming back, going on the aisle, coming back, going on the aisle. But Bader was missed, and his impact was felt when he came back. So getting him back against the Mariners tonight could be a little bit of a boost for him. 877-337-6666. Eric is in Ron Konkama. Eric, do you know the match that started off WrestleMania three? Well, uh, yeah, well, wasn't it uh, the Canon Connection? Against, uh, it was the Can Can Am Connection. Who'd they yeah. defeat? Uh, I believe it was. Uh, uh, boy, that's uh, that's gonna drive me crazy. I know it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't Valentine and Beefcake uh, because Beefcake was already. Uh, uh, they wrestled they? later. Uh, they wrestled yeah, a little uh, later. Uh, let's see. It wasn't Bob Orton. Uh, it was. It was Bob Orton, and who was his was partner? Bob Orton. Okay. Uh wow. Well, uh, no, it wasn't easy. Boy, I'm drawing a blank on the other one. They were <clears> managed <throat> by Mr. Fuji. Right. Oh, uh, um, was it Morocco? It was Morocco. Good job, Eric. Right off the bat with the Can-Am yeah. connection. I like it. I knew you'd come through. Yeah, well, and, and you know what's interesting about the, uh, uh, cause, you know, you mentioned uh, uh, obviously the Jake uh, Hockey Talk match because uh, uh, Alice Cooper was uh, – you know, holding on to Damien throughout that whole match. And I never figured that I'd find someone who was as small as Jimmy Hart uh, also to be there. But, you know, obviously Alice Cooper was more menacing, you know. But uh, Yeah, exactly. You know. I mean, J- Jimmy Hart yeah. might even be bigger. I don't know if you put him on a scale. Yeah. Jimmy Hart might outweigh him. Yeah, that was close. That was close. But, uh, and, I, and I tell you, Jake's uh, overall WrestleMania record was not great, quite honestly. But, uh, uh, if, if you look it up over the years. But, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, Given all the matches he had, he, he only won really, I think, a couple of them. So I didn't, yeah, I didn't uh, keep track of it. I'll tell you this though: looking at the um, at the results right now, like if you had a guess off the top of your head, real quick, how many matches there were in WrestleMania three? What would be your guess? Uh, I'm going to say about uh, fifteen or sixteen. Right, so that would be my guess too. There were only twelve. Yeah. Like initially, I think really? you watch it and you feel, you feel like, yeah. wow, there's so many. At twelve, does not seem like a lot to me, but that's all that there, there were. There were anyway. a couple of really quick ones. Yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know the uh, yeah because you had that that mixed tag with Bundy and uh, Hillbilly Jim. That one was yeah, pretty and, quick. The, and the little people. Uh, yeah, three. That match was right. three twenty-five. Yeah. Right. Right. Right, and then even the uh, the Butch Reed uh, Coco Beware match was uh, pretty quick. So, yeah. uh, all right, you don't need um, to name the whole card. I know, I get that you know it. Good job. Hey, look, that's right in my wheelhouse. Also, I I had a big party for that uh, that uh, WrestleMania. That was pretty. You know, I mean, how could you not with Andre Hogan? I mean, that. Uh, so, um, but you know, look. 
get get into the mess though real quick. Um, you know, I like you. I can't get overly excited about this. I, I think the most encouraging part about uh, yesterday is I think Scherzer's uh, outing uh, because I, I think that's needed much more. I mean, the Mets have shown that they they've been able to hit for the last couple of weeks pretty well. So I think the Scherzer, you know, uh, outing is is more important. But I can't get over overall excited though because I mean, look, Houston just got swept by Cincinnati. All right, so let's be real. You know, I mean, if the Mets put out two more games like they did last night, then okay, definitely a step in the right direction. But still, they got to go beyond this because they've already shown recently that they can sweep a team and then lose two out of three, if not more than that. So, uh, little by little, yes, they got to progress here. But I can't get excited until I see some real progress. Well, so. but and and at what point is that going to come? Right, like if Max Scherzer well, goes out there and does this again next time, you, you have a little more confidence. But do you still trust him? Like I don't, and I don't think I will until I see him actually do it in either Atlanta or I guess against right. the Yankees or I guess in the postseason. Like he's got to be able. Yeah, even if he did it against Atlanta, although that would probably be the most encouraging thing. Forget the Yankees, if Scherzer toward the end of the year, goes out there and play, uh, pitches well against the Braves, whether it be at uh, City Field in early August or in Atlanta late August, then maybe I'll start to trust him. But that's a few months away, well, and, and I don't I don't well, think there's anything he could do from now to then that will build up that trust. Okay, well, I, and, and, and I can understand that, but let, let, let's say he has, uh, um, against the Yankees, let's say he has a mediocre outing, but you know, that's that's in the midst of having, let's say, seven out of eight really strong ones from this point to then. Where, where, what would you think about that? If, if he's, let's say, seven eight. I'm not going to judge him on the Yankees. I'm going to judge him on the Braves. Right. Forget the Yankees. I know that those are important okay. games for us because it's New York and Subway Series and all that. The reality is the Braves games are the ones that matter. And twice okay, so let's, so let's he's choked it up against, against the Braves. The Braves then. Yeah, so let's say mediocre against the next Braves outing that he has. Nope. You know, I don't care. I don't up, care. If, uh, I don't care if he goes, you know, because that's the team he's got to beat, Eric. I don't care if he goes eight in, in eight games around the Braves. Let's just say hypothetically, he pitches eight games going into the Braves, going out of the Braves, whatever it may be. But the one yeah. game that he faces Atlanta, he gets beat and gives up, you know, five six runs in in four or five innings. I'm, I'm like, there's no way I could trust him. I can't trust well, him okay. until he shuts down the Braves. Yeah, well, okay, but let, let's say uh, my, my idea of mediocre, in this case, let, let's say he gives up three runs, he goes six innings, and they're tied going into the into the, the, the eighth, and he's out of the game. And the game's not up to him anymore. Yeah, I you mean, know, I guess that that's fine. Run. I. I, I No, I guess that that's a fine you know stat line, and thank you for the call, Eric, as always. But the reality is he's got to be better. I want to see this Max Scherzer, eight dominant innings. I know you're not going to get that more often than not, but, I mean, could you get seven dominant innings? Is that too much to ask? Six is not served. I know Buck is saying he's got to get used to the idea that six is now deep. It's not. Don't Don't get used to it because it's not. In today's game, it may seem like it because everybody's soft and nobody can pitch anymore. But in reality, going six innings is not good. It's better than going three innings like Scherzer and Verlander have done too often this year 
or Carrasco. Man, you'd rather have six than three, sure. But ultimately, six is not going deep into a game. Six is barely doing your job for the day. John is calling from West Babylon. What's up, John? How you doing, Tom? Good, John. How are you? Yeah, you were talking about WrestleMania three, which I'm old. Reminded me, I I went to WrestleMania two at National Coliseum, and that was Uh, the one where they had uh, the the different uh, venues, right? The closed circuit television, where there were different venues. One in Los Angeles, Chicago, and I forget where else. And National Coliseum. Oh, that was it. Just the three. Yeah, we had uh, they had four matches at each each location. What was your main was, event? Which match did you get? Roddy Piper and Mr. T in a boxing match. Ah, okay, right. And Hogan was in Los Angeles against Bundy? Yeah, that was the main, main event. Right. right. Chicago was the uh, the battle royal with all the football players. So you were able to watch, though. You So you watched the whole thing on a big screen, but obviously you had some matches live in person. Right, so they would do a match. They'd flip to the big screen. For Chicago, flip to the big screen for L.A., come back to a match. So they flip-flop from location to location. What a weird idea that is, huh? I guess they were just looking to cash in, you know, in three locations. I mean, they sold out all three arenas. Did they really? Oh, yeah. Coliseum, well, I know the Coliseum was packed. So it's weird because you're selling out, like you said, for, you know, obviously if you have Hulk Hogan in one arena, it's going to get sold out. So you're pushing your luck trying to sell out uh, Mr. T and Bob Orton in a, uh, or, or whatever, or Mr. T and Roddy Piper in a uh, boxing match. You know, that that's it's a, a good match, but a main event. And to I, sell out three arenas where you're only going to watch, you know, four of the matches in person? Yeah, I you know. I mean, it was. I enjoyed it because I just back then we went every month, you know. Because every month they came to the Coliseum and they actually wrestled. I grew up in Lindenhurst. They wrestled in my high school. Um, the British Bulldogs against the Heart Foundation. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, it's, it's and, no, it's fun to think back to to the old uh, the old days. But WrestleMania too. That's a that's a unique one. Long yeah, time it, ago it was, now, John. Long time ago. Oh yeah. And did you know Ozzy Osbourne was in the British Bulldogs corner in Chicago? I did not know that. What was he doing there? Yep. Uh, he was just he you know he's the celebrity you know they were all, they've always had the celebrities. Yeah, so I don't remember got, Ozzy Osbourne for whatever reason. I'm trying to think of the tie-in though. Oh, is is it because uh, is Ozzy British? British? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. right. Yeah, and, I remember the uh, because that show. Now you can barely you know. Um, you know, he was, he has that thick, uh, accent, right? Yeah. Yeah. He, you know, uh, I think what your other caller was alluding to was 20 years ago, Ozzy had a, an ATV accident and busted up his back. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. I, uh, Sharon, well, thank you. Go ahead. Sharon, Sharon just drugged him up and wheeled him out on stage so he performed because he wasn't losing money. Oh, okay. Well, now we're getting into some different stuff there that I'm not aware of. And thank you for the call, John. That's You're right. That's how it started. I was saying that I got a, um, a four-wheeler or a quad for Christmas in, I think it was 88, 89, whatever. I was like seven or eight years old. And I became good at, at riding it. My father taught me how to drive it, and that was it. But I would always do it with a helmet. We actually have that same... We were able to get that same one back and then have my nephew use it. 
And it's obviously not in the same shape being, you know, 30 or whatever years old, but it still runs. And I would, for fun, I drive it out, but I'm, I'm too big for it and don't need a helmet. Um, you know, it doesn't go that fast or whatever. But anyway, uh, no, I, I was always safe. Come on. I did not know that about Ozzy Osbourne. I'm not, I don't know his music. I mean, I know some of the songs, but I've never been a fan necessarily of his music. I was a fan of that show, though. He seems like a nice enough guy. 877-337-6660. But he'll always be remembered, like in my mind, for eating the uh, the head off a bat, right? I mean, that's, you know, it's kind of what he's known for. Eight, like, uh, like with Bruce Springsteen. In my mind, you know, so Alice Cooper, WrestleMania three, Jake the Snake's Corner. Ozzy Osbourne eating the head off a bat. Bruce Springsteen singing that Christmas song. That's how I associate these guys. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Talk New York sports with us. 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. Go to 5 a.m. The warm-up show with Alan Jerry. We need a wellness check on Stewart in Brooklyn. Where the heck has he been? It's weird not hearing from Stewart. He did not call yesterday morning. What is today? Today's Tuesday. Right, so we did the show Monday morning. And now today, no Stewart in Brooklyn. And I'm a little concerned because usually, like clockwork, you know, he wakes up, he goes to the gym, he gives us a call, you know, right around the 3 o'clock hour. And nothing from Stewart. He also Link he says, did not he didn't call over the weekend as far as I know, and he didn't call Friday when you were doing the afternoon Thursday. So we have not heard from Stewart since Thursday morning. Well, which is when he called me, right? Thursday morning right. was I on? So yeah, I'm a little worried about that. Is that yeah? I, I don't know if I've ever gone this long without screening a call from Stewart. Yeah, I mean, um, geez, and there's no way we could. Uh, somebody's got to have his contact number. Don't no? you have it from last year? I don't. I think Eric and Ron Conkerman might. One of those guys that, that was in the group, I believe, uh, has some kind of contact from him. We got to make sure he's all right, Stuart. If you're listening, give me a call. Just to make sure you're okay. You don't have to come on the air, but if you want to come on the air, we could use you because I haven't had many calls today. And you know, a lot of people. You know, I was out at the softball game on uh, Saturday. 
And two things that people love when they, they meet me. Oh, dude, Sal, I love when you yell at calls. I'm like, you guys, you, you love this stuff. They love it when I lose my mind and you idiot this and you idiot that. It's like the number one thing that I get when I meet people out, which, by the way, uh, it's fine with me. I mean, I, I just appreciate you listening and I appreciate you knowing who, I'm at, who I am. So thank you for that. But the number one thing, oh, I love it when you lose it on a caller. Okay. The other thing is people were legitimately yelling. And one couple, Sal, I love when Stewart in Brooklyn is on. He's he's hilarious. Multiple people have said that. They find Stewart highly entertaining. I mean, a bit scary at times, sure. A bit out there, absolutely. But also highly entertaining. And ultimately, isn't that what it's all about? 877-337-6666. Ken is calling from Elmwood Park. What's up, Ken? Hey, Sal. Uh, little story for you to get you in a good mood, maybe. So I, I grew up never a baseball fan. I hated the game, right? Ten years ago, I had a tragedy in my life, whatever. I'm listening to the schmooze. He makes me start to want to fall in love with the Metropolitans. So there I go. I, now all of a sudden, I'm a Mike Davis fan. I'm an R.A. Dippy fan. And I've been stuck ever since. So last year... I go to my first MLB game, never been to City Field, never even cared to, but I went to one last year, and it was great. I'm like, oh, look at me. I get to see a Scherzer game, no less. This is at the end of the year against Washington. You know what happened from there. You know, four innings, and that was the last time we saw him be any good until today, obviously. So now fast forward to this weekend, and I get to go out to Philly, and I hear you talk about what a great ballpark it is, so now I'm excited to go to that. And I'm yeah. thinking, oh, I might get to, I mean, you may get to see a Scherzer game again in Philly. That would be great if you do, right? It would line up one, two, three, four, five. You're probably Sunday, right? You're going Sunday? Oh, I'm Saturday. Going Saturday. You're going. Oh, because they have the off day there. So one, two, three, four. You're probably going to get, you're probably going to miss Scherzer by a day. Hey, don't worry, oh, though. Please. You'll get Carl, you'll get Carlos Carrasco instead. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. So, so that's how they count it. They do it by work days. They don't do it by actual days. Well, they're not going to skip. I wouldn't think they're going to skip Carlos Carrasco in the rotation, although as much as we'd love to see that. Right. They would do it by days pitching. So you got Verlander tonight. Uh, what was it? It was Kodai Senga pitched on Saturday, right? So you got Verlander. Yeah. Then it should be Tyler McGill. Then it would be um, uh, who are we missing here? Uh, is and it Senga? Right, Senga? It's Senga. McGill, then Senga, then Carrasco. Yeah, McGill. Right, exactly. McGill, Senga, Carrasco, Scherzer is what you're going to get. Yeah, I think you're right. I'm right in there. <laughs> oh, boo. Yeah, can't you just now, stay an extra day? I can't. So now, do I got to be worried? I'm going to go. I'm not. I don't get all that stuff, but you know, I like to wear my hat. Like I got to. Now I'm going to the brawl at the stadium, or am I going to be all right over there? No, you can. You're fine. They're not going to throw batteries at you or anything like that. What you wearing? You you can't wear your med at. No, you wear your med at. Well, yeah, that's fine. I just thought I I don't deal well with people harassing me. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't want to have to get into a problem. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you're going to get harassed for wearing a Mets hat. Uh, it, it just don't cheer. And thank you for the call, Ken. Appreciate you checking in. Uh, I shouldn't say just don't cheer. You can cheer for your team, but. You know, usually the people that get harassed are the people that stand up, yell in your face. You know, they're looking to get harassed. I personally don't recall ever having an issue in Philadelphia. And I've worn Mets jerseys there and had, going back many years, talking about going back to the vet. Um, I don't ever recall having an issue 
in Philadelphia, especially when your team, you know, it's one thing if you wear a Mets hat or a jersey and they're not playing, but if they're playing the Phillies, you know, what do you expect? There are going to be Mets fans there. Someone might boo a little bit or whatever. I don't think you're going to get harassed. But by the way, if it makes you more comfortable not to wear something, then don't wear something. And just go there and be quiet. I get it. You don't want to deal with the annoyance of it and whatever. What's the difference? You don't need to wear a hat. You know who you root for. That's all that matters. Fleek, do you ever have a problem going down to Philadelphia? I've ne- I have not. Now, I don't know if I would say the same for an Eagles game. I've heard stories about that. I don't necessarily want to go down there. Well, Philly people game. will even admit that to you happily, that it's much different for an Eagles game than it is for a Phillies game. Yeah, you never had an issue with the Mets. And you've been to Philly plenty of times, I'm assuming. Correct, right? but Phillies? also, I mean, until last year and even then, remember when I went to Philly in August, things were not looking great for the Phillies. I've never been there while both teams are good. Which, again, you don't have this year because the Mets are not good. But, like, in 07 and 08 in those years, I was not down there. Yeah. All right. And I don't remember going down there those years either. I went way before that, you know, going back to, I guess, the late 90s, maybe early 2000s, and then just random games. Um, yeah. And not, I don't think anything in that time frame, 07. Oh wait! Anyway, I mean, last year ball that ball. game, I went. Yeah, you know, at the end of August, the Phillies fans were more ticked off at their own team than they were concerned about the Mets fans. You know, last year I remember doing a a spot in uh, Philadelphia on the radio. Somebody had me on. I forget exactly who it was or when it was, but you know, I remember them talking about the Eagles, and it was. And I'm like, what are we doing here? You still got the Phillies making a playoff push? And he's like, yeah, you know, people have given up on the Phillies. I mean, they were 14 games back of both the Braves and the Mets, but still they were making a playoff push to get on the wild card. People kind of gave up on them, and yet there they go. They get in, and they go to the World Series. Remarkable. 877-337-6666. Jason is calling from Waterbury, Connecticut. Good morning, Jason. Yo, Sal, what's up, brother? What's up, Jason? How are you? Yeah, not much, but listen, I just wanted to talk uh, uh, WrestleMania Macho for a minute. Um, At WrestleMania 2, the Macho Man fought George the Animal Steel, I think, in Chicago at the Rosemont Horizon. And also, uh, as Macho did uh, most times at WrestleMania, stealing the show from Lust Hogan when he uh, def- when he should have defeated Ricky Steamboat at WrestleMania 3 when he got hosed, when he got robbed with that animal still being outside, which is all complete garbage. And, um, I, I, you know, I macho heard man, the, the yeah. macho man, George, the animal steel rivalry yeah. was probably the first one that I really remember as a kid. And maybe it because maybe it's because of the way George, the animal steel looked. Maybe it's because yeah. Miss Elizabeth was involved and it was yeah, just because he loved her. Yeah. He loved yeah, her. Right. So, but that's up. like that. That's the first that that's one of my first memories in wrestling as a yeah. young, very young kid. Is the yeah. Miss Elizabeth? Is the um, George Animal Steel versus Macho Man? Well, see what I what I also heard was they actually wanted um they were talking Macho and Hogan uh, main event in WrestleMania two before uh before Macho um got hooked up with Animal Steel and and Hogan got hooked up with uh with King Kong Bundy. But well, it's I a good thing remember- they didn't do that. It's a good thing they didn't because. The mega powers and then the mega powers exploding, exploding in, in WrestleMania, WrestleMania 5. Was, 5 yeah. Yeah, that's but probably you know the greatest. You know, from WrestleMania 4 through oh, 5 yeah. was probably the greatest year of yeah, wrestling as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, because 
factor because they're the two biggest stars. Now, as much as I always talk about Macho being better than Hogan because he is, I got to give credit to Hogan also because Macho and Hogan, they're the two biggest stars in the history of wrestling. But from also, February, from the from the main event in February, yeah. I want to say February 5th, February 1988. Right, yeah. from that moment, from that yeah. pay-per-view, I mean, really, you want to go back to WrestleMania 3, fine, but let's just go from that February of 88 through yeah. WrestleMania 5. To me, yeah. nothing beats that. Well, it actually it actually started on that main event in 87 where, uh, where Macho took on the Honky Tonk Man and, um, mm-hmm. you know, they were... Fred Hart and uh, and Jim the Anvil came out, and that's when Honky hit Macho with the guitar, and Elizabeth went back there to get Hogan, and that's when they formed the Mega Powers, and that's and where which, it really what really month started. was that? Which one was, was that? that? Oh, that what? was October. That was October of '87. They had a Saturday okay. Night's main event, and then right, all right, you know, and Ma- then probably yeah. the next, probably, yeah, probably the next one. Then was that February one? I would think. Yeah. Well, I mean, they did them. They did them a couple. I think a couple months in a row because I know Macho. He fought. Fred Hart in November on Saturday night's main event also. So I don't mm. know if they did a November, December, but I know that they did October, November. And then, you know, what happened with Hogan and Macho on that huge main event in 88 being the biggest, um, the biggest card in, in the history of television, as far as a, a wrestling event goes and drew like 38 million people watched that on NBC. Right. But this. that, and that's what I mean that from yeah. that time frame, you want to rewind it back a little bit further at the end of 87. That's why I say you even go from wrestling. WrestleMania 3, whatever. From that through WrestleMania 5, from WrestleMania 3 through WrestleMania 5 was the best ever, period. It was, Al. Oh, no doubt about it, brother. And listen, uh, yeah, get a hold of Stuart because uh, I heard you and Fleece talk. You and Fleece talk, and yeah, he hasn't he hasn't called since last Thursday when you brought up the um. Remember when he was talking about what happened with his wife in '92 when he body slammed her? No, no, no. I yeah, I remember it. I remember. Yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't called. Yeah, he hasn't called since then because I listen. Even though even when you're not on, the only night I really don't listen is Saturday night and a Sunday, except for all uh, um. I I listen to Hoffman here and there, but I haven't heard Stuart since since that call last week. I thought he did call, and thank you for the call, Jason. I thought he did call after that, but I could be mistaken. Anyway, I hope Stuart is listening, and I hope he gives us a call just to at least let us know he's all right. Uh, And then I'd like to talk to him at some point, if not today, maybe uh, during the course of the week. Eddie is calling from the Bronx. What's up, Eddie? Hey, how you doing, Sal? So I wanted to uh, tell you my story of going down with my 11-year-old daughter and two of her softball teammates. So we go down uh, to Philly, Mets are playing the Phillies. I have a buddy of mine that uh, worked for a company uh, down in that general area, and his company had a luxury box. So we meet him, and it's myself, and uh, I'm a retired New York detective. My buddy's a retired fireman. We go down there, and we have these three 11-year-old girls with us, and they're all wearing either a Mets T-shirt or a Mets cap. So you know when you go to most stadiums, to a luxury box is a certain elevator to take. We get on the elevator. There's three, like, college-age guys, and they're standing kind of hovering over the girls, and they just keep going, Mets up, Mets up, Mets up, like, oh, like leaning into them. And I'm looking at these guys, I'm like, you're college-age, you're, like, tormenting little girls well that's maybe not the worst thing follow this up with if you know anything and sal you do now have a girl so good luck with that thing you know situation growing up 
So even though we have a luxury box and we have every little thing you could ask for, the girls are like, can we go get the ice cream and the helmet? Hmm. I was like, sure. Give them some money. They go off to go get it. They come back in tears because they said some fat drunk guy just said, tell your parents they're pieces of S because they let you be met fan. Yeah, I mean, just people. Uh, look, Eddie, people are going to thank you for the call. Uh, I think people are going to be obnoxious regardless. I mean, that is just part of it. So you've experienced that going to games, I'm sure, before. I know I've experienced it, whether it's firsthand, whether it's watching other people um, interact and just mistreat each other. Like, come on. It's not that serious. The problem is you get, you know, think of your mentality as a 19-year-old or 20-year-old or whatever it may be. You're not thinking logically you're you're not you you're just you're an idiot i know because i was one i remember it not that i was ever that particular way at a game you know, i never used to drink or anything like obviously so, some of these games were before i was even of age but i would never drink at games anyway until i got way older but people are obnoxious and they feel like you go to a sporting event you're allowed to yell and do whatever you want to do and you're not thinking of i don't know you you're not you treat people differently for some reason in that environment than you would in real life, let's say, even though it is real life. But that would not go over well with me. I'll tell you that. I mean, you guys probably know a little bit. That's not something that would go down well. But that's also why you just got to be extra careful. And there's not much you can do other than make sure you don't leave them, depending on what age they are until they could fend for themselves and, you know, either verbally fight back or just completely ignore it. And that's what you'd want to do in that spot. You hope. You know, if fans are going to be idiots, simple as that. It's not just Philly. It's all over the place. I mean, it happens in New York. I've seen both Met fans and Yankee fans harass people. I've seen Giant fans and Jeff fans harass people. They think it's part of it. It's not. It's stupid. It's not funny. But people go and use that as an outlet for whatever issues, I guess, that they have and take it out on others, which is why, you know, the more alcohol you have, the more it leads to fights, and it could get ugly. And it's why a lot of people don't like going, especially with kids. It's just something you have to learn to ignore and move past so you don't take away your own enjoyment of going to the games if that's something that you like to do. If not, you watch the game on TV, you got no issues. We know what we think. What do you think? Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. Alicata back on the fan, 877-337-6666 is the number to call. Going on 5 a.m., the warm-up show with Al and Jerry. We'll finish up on the phones here. You got the Mets looking to make it two straight, taking on the Astros again tonight. Justin Verlander back on the mound, as we said earlier. It was kind of annoying watching Verlander get his championship ring last night. Hey, look, I get it. That's what they do. You know, he comes back to visit his uh, his Astros team. He's going to get the ring that he won last year. But I don't want to see Verlander in a Mets uniform get the Astros championship ring. 
I'd like to see somebody in a Mets uniform actually getting their own championship ring for something they did with the Mets. This has happened too often over the years. Even as infrequent as it may be, seeing it more than once, I forget who else did it last time, but you've had this happen before where guys on the Mets that they sign won a championship the year before with another team, and then they go get the ring. I don't want that. I want to see them win with the Mets. Annoying. Anyway, Verlander on the mound tonight. Mets look to make it two straight as they try to right the ship here some way, somehow, and try to salvage this season and make a run at one of the wild card spots. Garrett Cole will be on the mound tonight for the Yankees as they're back in action at home. Start of the six-game homestand. Mariners for three. Rangers for three. And the Yanks themselves need to pick it up and get going. Harrison Bader expected to return for the Bombers. Nick is calling from Huntington, New York. What's up, Nick? Hey, Sha, how you doing? I love listening to you. You are the best. Uh, Thank you. couple Appreciate of things. Uh, 2009, I go see Pearl Jam with my uh, wife at the time. Uh, my cousin and his girlfriend. So, uh, first thing on Halloween, I'm storing Halloween, this clown's wearing a, a Met jersey. So, we go. I go look at it. He had a name tag, and it said, joke. I was like, is this guy serious? <laughs> so... The Yankees wind up winning the World Series, and we're in Philly, where me and my wife got separated from my cousin and his girlfriend, and you just hear somebody screaming, Yankees, Yankees! You can hear a pin drop. The Philly fans look like they were going to commit suicide, and there's my cousin's girlfriend screaming on the train, let's go, Yankees! They didn't say a word. They didn't do a damn thing. They were just in shock that they just lost the World Series. It's the greatest thing ever. And that weekend, the Giants waxed the Eagles like 35-3. to 3. It was great. The Philly fans didn't say a word. So you know, I, just, I just think it's a funny story because you're talking about the Phillies and the fans. They didn't say nothing. They were, they well, were I mean, all hard, like in suicide mode. Yeah, hard, you know? hard, to say, hard to say something, Nick, after the Yankees beat them in the World Series. And thank you for the call. Now, unfortunately, that's such a long time ago now where we're overdue for – Another championship. Obviously, the Yankees haven't won since 2009. Mets has been forever, you know, since 86, blah, 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 blah. And I'll tell you, though, a a highly anticipated matchup is going to be Giants-Eagles. It's always a big deal. Maybe it doesn't get as much play as the Giants-Cowboys do. But Giants-Eagles, coming off of last year's division around, you know, I was going to say blah, but whatever. It would be kind. Divisional round game where the Eagles sent the Giants home. And we all saw the disparity between the two teams. And even though the Giants had a great year and made it to that second round by beating the Vikings in the first round, you saw the difference. And that's something that Brian Dable, Joe Shane, they're going to have to try to close that gap. And maybe they feel like they did a little bit. But Philadelphia is, I mean, they they have just been on another level. You know, we were talking about it earlier in the show, looking at the teams in the NFC going into the year where it's clearly the Niners, Eagles, and not in any particular order. You could go Eagles, Niners. Those two teams and then everybody else. And for that hated rival with the Giants in Philadelphia, you know, it's been kind of, it feels like it's been one-sided with the Eagles. And especially now where, you know, I like the 
I like playing the role of underdog. I like going into that matchup where most people are going to say, well, the Eagles are that much better than the Giants. They showed it last year. They're going to be that way again. They're only going to get better. You know, Maybe this is a Super Bowl year for the Eagles where they go and win one or win another one. But the Giants, that's going to be the measuring stick for them. And those will be some fun games. It always is a you know a, a nasty rivalry, but the Eagles got the better of the Giants last year, and it feels like they have been for a while. I'm trying to look up real quick, pull up the Giants schedule, and just see when they're when those games are. But the you know, they'll play the Eagles either the sixth of January or the seventh. So that's going to be a flex game that'll be at home. Um, but anyway, that's going to be the measuring stick for the Giants. And it seems like the Giants always start the season with the Cowboys. We're going to have to wait a little bit to take on the Eagles. No, the Again, the same stuff with the end of the year. They get the Eagles on Christmas Day, Week 16, which I absolutely hate because it ruins Christmas. I can't stand when they do that. Well, it's a huge game. You want to be able to watch the game, but I also want to be able to enjoy the time with my family. Although Christmas, Christmas Day, see Christmas Eve is when I'm with my family. Christmas Day is when we're with the in-laws, you know, my wife's family. So, all right, I can maybe have the game on and, and at least say, hey, look, guys, you know the deal by now. This is what I do for work. Can you put the game on, please? Yeah, and uh, and leave me alone. Thank you. But those are going to be highly anticipated matchups. You just hope the Giants aren't out of it by then. Or the Eagles, for that matter. Who knows? Anything could go wrong. But it's week 16 at Philadelphia, and then week 18, the Giants will close out the season with the Eagles. Man, it is weird looking at the NFL schedule. I know we looked at it when it first came out, but I haven't really picked it up or given any thought since then. But with the Mets struggling so bad right now, and really with the Yankees struggling as well, you start to think, hey, you know what? Let's look to football to save this town. I know the Yankees will be fine. I've said that. You know, the two biggest factors from these last, you know, Monday morning we started the show talking about the Yankees and how I'm not going to overreact to getting swept by the Red Sox and go nuts and bury the Yankees. I've been down this road before. I'm not getting fooled. The Yankees are going to be just fine. They'll start a run this week. They'll win 7 of 10. Everything will be right. They'll eventually get good news on Judge. He'll come back to the lineup. Peraza will be up at some point. Stanton will start to hit. The pitching will be fine. Yankees will go on one of those runs here over the next 10 games. I I know it. Because they always do it. Just when you think, oh, man, this is it, a rough stretch. Big deal. A A couple of week rough stretch. You watch how they turn it around. So I'm not going to overreact to the Yankees getting swept. Similarly, I'm not going to overreact to the Mets looking like the team that we expected them to look like for a night, one night in Houston. This Tuesday in Texas, or I guess it was Monday, but, you know, that doesn't fit what we're trying to tie in there. If you know, you know. One game against the Astros, one dominant performance from Max Scherzer, one offensive outburst by the entire team, essentially, for 11 runs does not change what we've seen for two and a half months. I'm not flip-flopping on this. Now, I will say, even though I said the season is over, it didn't mean that they're not going to make the playoffs. 
I said the division was over and that the hopes of this team winning a World Series were over. That's what I meant when I said the Mets were dead. But I still thought, even though they're dead, they, they still got to make the playoffs, no? And then after you know losing two out of three to the Cardinals, you start to think, oh, you know what, maybe they don't have to make the playoffs. But I still have to believe they're going to have at least a run in them to make to make a you know make a run at one of those final wild card spots. But that's not flip flopping. I know that this team is not good enough, not even close to good enough to winning it all. I just have a hard time believing any team that spends that much and that has as much talent as the Mets do cannot make a an expanded postseason. And it just it just doesn't compute. Especially coming off of the year that we saw last year. I know it's different. We gotta let go of last year. It's not the same thing at all. But still, Cubs, Pirates, Padres all ahead of the Mets right now. Are they really better than the Mets? I can't imagine that that's the case. You know, remember too, a lot of these teams that are right there, you know, the Cubs are tied with the Mets. Pirates are a half game in front. The Padres are a game in front. The Brewers are three games in front. And then you get the Phillies, you know, those are going to be big games. Mets taking on Philadelphia this weekend. Every time they play Philadelphia, really any team in front of them, which I guess is a lot of teams, but any team in front of them, it's going to be a big deal. Try and cut into that lead and just start to leapfrog teams one at a time. Climb their way back into it. I really think at this point, all you can hope for if you're a Mets fan or if you're a talk show host who wants to talk about the Mets the rest of the year and have them be relevant, just have them fighting for a wild card spot. Please. Can't get buried. Otherwise, we will be breaking down the Giants and Jets schedule. It'll be Yankees and football schedule. Yankees and preseason football. Aaron Rodgers talk. Oh, and maybe Knicks free agency. Knicks offseason moves. We were spoiled last year with both teams giving us a nice long run. Are the Mets really going to fall out of it and die before the All-Star break? Or before the deadline? And potentially become sellers? Man, that's depressing to even think about. But at least last night, they gave you some hope. Notice I said, gave you some hope. I know better. I'm not getting sucked in. But they gave you some hope. We'll see if they can back it up. And we've been down this road before. Where they needed to make that Wednesday night win against the Rays stick. Well, they did that Thursday afternoon. And then they did go out there and sweep the Guardians. Only to falter again. So even if they do beat the Astros tonight with Verlander... You still worry about them faltering at some point again. But each game is going to be of high importance because if they if they don't get it turned around like now, then they will be done-done, meaning even the postseason will be out of reach. And maybe they won't even be close to competing for a final spot. All right, that does it for us. Thanks to Fleegs, as always. Thanks to everybody who called and listened. Appreciate each and every one of you. Back again. Tomorrow, 2 a.m., we'll see you then. The warm-up show with Alan Jerry that's coming up next. Sports Radio 101.9 FM. WFAN New York. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.